You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom two hands the goal of Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Two on home run. Trevor Story. Lock. End zone. Touchdown. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the one and only official beer partner of DNVR. You guys know how much we love them. You can get them at the DNVR bar or you could also go on their website to their beer locator and find the nearest stores that you can buy Breckenridge Brewery as well as their good company seltzers. All right, we are back today talking about the 2021 DNVR Goaties. This is our third annual DNVR Goaties, and we're so excited. Last episode, you guys heard the discussions of Newcomer of the Year and Moment of the Year. Today, you are going to hear about Game of the Year and Athlete of the Year. So I'm going to have Henry take it away and tell you the nominees for Game of the Year. All right. We are here to tell you guys about the Games of the Year. See what uh, see what's best. It's going to be a good discussion. Hank, Jesse, Adam, Zach, uh, let's just uh, dig in. So this is kind of a weird one because we actually have to decide which four we want to, to go to the vote, whereas two of them have to be honorable mentions. So it's a tight field, obviously, a lot of beats, a lot of different games. Uh, let, let's just start at the top here with uh, this game against Vegas. Uh, game two of the playoffs, uh, round two. What yeah. happened, Jesse? Yeah, so it's funny because you look back on it now, and this moment is like your last kind of like glimmering memory of, of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't feel as positive as it did in the moment with hindsight, right. but... This was, this was such an interesting game for, for so many reasons because these two teams had been the top teams in the West for m- several years in a row now. The Avs had really been building. Obviously, Vegas stormed onto the scene. 
And it was a matchup that we missed in the playoffs by one game two years in a row. Uh, you know, the matchups just didn't line up. Uh, Vegas loses in Game 7. The Avs lose in Game 7 in back-to-back years. So we just barely missed this matchup. So there was so much leading up to it. The Avs sweep the Blues, get on to the second round, and it's finally this Colorado-Vegas, the two juggernauts. They tie for points at the end of the regular season. The Avs win the tiebreaker for the best record in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the Avs come in. They're 4-0 in the, in, in the playoffs. They blow Vegas' doors off at home in Game 1. And you're starting to think like, whoa, this feels a little bit special, right? You're, you're, you're just on this run, and they, they look like they're running downhill, and there's no stopping the abs. Then you get into game two, and it was kind of like this reality check that, oh, yeah, this is another very good hockey team you're playing. Um, because Vegas did. They, they kind of took it to the abs. They, they, teams traded goals, so on the scoreboard it was even, but that Vegas controlled the, the pace of the play. But Philip Grubauer, for the Avs, kept him in it. He was the reason it went to overtime. Uh, Miko Rantanen scores highlight reel, walk-off goal in overtime, short side, beating Marc-Andre Fleury. In that moment, I think that was the best that Avs fans had been feeling, like literally since the early (laughs) 2000s. Because that was the game that everyone had kind of been waiting for the last couple years where your goaltender steals one that you're not mm-hmm. supposed to win. Right. The Avs have such a, a, an overflow of talent on their roster that it's easy to, you know, write off the goaltending mm-hmm. play and, oh, they can just kind of outskill people. And Philip Grubauer stole one. And suddenly you step back, you're up 2 nothing in this series against Vegas. And it was the first time you really allowed yourself to believe this is the special run. Right. They just mm-hmm. won a game they had no business winning. And those are the types of games that you see championship caliber teams in every sport, in every league, at every level, always have to win one of those games where they have to push through the adversity and, and overcome being outplayed. And we hadn't seen the Avs do that in those last couple playoff runs where they were you know, favorites or p- picked to come out of the West, and they, and they finally did it. They won the game they weren't supposed to. But this is why this game is so interesting to me. Because yeah. as I'm watching, I'm a Colorado sports fan, but not an Avs guy, right? Like I, mean, I yeah. watch the Avs, yep. but I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a hockey expert by any means. But I know that we're watching the Avs with the best record and they've got all these skill players and they're fast and they're fun and they have highlights. And the big question was, can they handle the physicality? And that's what Vegas represented. And you get the sweep in the first round and they look absolutely dominant. You get into game one, they look dominant again. I'm thinking, are they going to go undefeated? (laughs) Are we we winning every game of the playoffs? And then you get to that game two and you're right. You know, Vegas got tough. Yeah. And that was their MO the rest of the series. But in that game, they got tough and the Avs answered the bell. And you thought that was it. That was the test. They passed it. Yeah. Yep. It turned out, though, well, it's hard to contextualize this game without knowing what happened right. because they didn't pass the test. Right. They passed yep. a little it, portion it, of it. It was one of those moments where you're sitting there, and as you're leaving the building, you're going, wow, if you're Vegas, how are you feeling right now? We yeah. just ha- we just gave our best game, and we lost. I thought they yep. were broken. Right, right. They, yeah. they get blown out. Then they clearly outplay the abs, and they still lose. You're sitting there, and you're like, this is done. That, like, like I said, they're running downhill. There's no stopping them. So it, it feels... Like real gross looking back on it now, <laughs> but but seriously, you know, leaving leaving the building that night was kind of like one of those like hands on your head moments. Where there's no stopping these guys. Well, well, and in the moment, all the all the momentum was on right. the Avs side. That's yeah, like in the moment, it certainly was the the, the game of the year for the, the Avs. Yeah, it, it, it in, <laughs> again, it was the last time you had any good feelings, you know, in that series. So that made it make, maybe feel a little bit extra special, but. Um, you're right. They they kind of cruise through the regular season to the President's Trophy, and 
that was the first like real triumphant moment um and, and it was it, it was a it was a great moment and we just won't talk about what happened next <laughs> yeah but, but at the same time though i mean there's we talk a lot about how great the moment was it was stressful for a lot oh, of that yeah, game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, Vegas dominated basically from halfway through that second period yeah. on. Like they have they have three pucks go off the post that could have gone in. Yeah. You know, when back in overtime has one that goes off the post behind Flurry, Flurry yeah. and then out to the <laughs> other side on the power play. It's just like that's over. And so it's that it's that bounce back from that low point where you're yep. just like, oh, they figured it out to the high. That I think is the deal breaker. Like that's yeah. why it is this game. And not the seven-one win the game before for game and, of the year. And you were waiting for Philip Grubauer to crack, like we had mm -hmm. seen him do the last couple of years, and he kind of ended up doing the next few games. But he he held on and he stole that game, and it was that mm -hmm. they've turned the page, the 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 switch is flipped. Absolutely, but felt like it. <laughs> let's uh let's jump over the Broncos now. Uh, we we chose the thirty to sixteen win against the Cowboys. But I mean, thirty to sixteen doesn't give that game justice. No. It, it was thirty to zero at yep. one point before they got some garbage time points, at a time when the Broncos weren't weren't at their hottest. What, what was going on there, Zach? Well, exactly in the moment, just like the yeah. Avs. In the moment, yep. this game felt mm -hmm. monumental, not just for the season, but for Vic Fangio, for Teddy Bridgewater, mm -hmm. for Pat Shermer. I mean, there was so much hope after this game. Broncos enter the game four and four. They're playing the six and one Dallas Cowboys, who'd won six straight games coming into that game they had the best offense in the nfl dropping over 30 points nearly every single game broncos double digit underdogs no one picked the broncos to win and what do they do they're up 30 to zero yeah. midway through the fourth just like you said hank an absolute dominant game on the mm -hmm. defensive side they absolutely shut down dak prescott and ezekiel elliott vic fangio took Kellen Moore to school, who, of course, then Kellen Moore was in the Broncos coaching search, which made it all very interesting. Uh, and and the, 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 the Broncos offense was exactly what you wanted it to be. It was Javante Williams having beast mode runs. It was Javante Williams going for 111 yards on the ground. It was the offensive lineman just plowing Dallas Cowboy defenders. And I mentioned Vic Fangio. This was the most pumped up we've seen Vic Fangio. And you, 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 you came out that game saying... Man, if Vic Fangio's going to be this energized, be screaming on TV, yeah. he's going to have his players fired up. Uh, he could be the dude. Man, I forward. like this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we never saw that again. The Broncos right. come out and lose all <laughs> momentum the next week against the Eagles, fall back to 5-5. Five and five. But in that moment, right. everything was going to the formula that they had going. If you were to do the arc of the season, the Broncos start 3-0, and and you start to buy in. You're yep. like, I know these are bad teams, but right. let's do it. Then you get to that point, and what was the loss of the week before? Because they had a bad one the week. The, again, they, they, they should have won. I can't remember who it was. Yep. And you like completely abandoned. You're just kind of like, man, this team just yep. doesn't have it. What happened? Yep. Then they come out and give that one, and you bounce right back. It was it was the hey, maybe we should be buying stock. They figured some things out, and here we go. It definitely was a fun game, and it was definitely a hopeful one. Yeah, and that the the game. So they they won that four game losing streak. Then the right. week mm -hmm. before that, they beat Washington football there team at yeah, home. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was like they're the Washington football team, right? I mean, <laughs> Washington looked competitive after <laughs> almost lost. Melvin Gordon tried to give the ball, give the That's game away, right. and right. then yeah. so it's like okay, well they beat one bad team, uh, and then this one it's like wow they can hang. And and as you're you're, you're absolutely right, Adam. The first three games were against you know Nobody's. easy teams. So yeah. this one was the one where it was like, oh my gosh, they've got it. And it's not just the fans selling either. That was the week George Payton traded Von Miller. 
Oh, the rookie Jonathan Cooper steps into his place and has two sacks. Are we tanking? That's, that's kind of my thought. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, we punched. Should have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the Abs too, or how I said that after that game too. That was maybe the best Abs fans had felt in a long time. Yeah. Kind of the same for the Broncos. That yeah. was I felt like the first time there was a like an actual sense of optimism right. in the last mm-hmm. few years, and not just like, well, I'm talking myself into this. It was yep. no, there was great play. We had seen them give up leads late in games over the last few years, and they didn't. Not only did they not give up the lead, but, I mean, they, like you said, locked it down. And you were like, whoa, maybe. Maybe Mm -hmm. it just came together. And on top of that, George Payton at the beginning of the season said a successful season is playing meaningful games in November and December. That was the first week of November. Yeah. <laughs> Discourse said, you know, maybe, maybe this is the formula. And this is the team that's going to come back. And so now funny. we know it's going to be a new quarterback, yeah. new head coach, well, uh, and new owner. Little did we know. Uh, let, let's jump in next with Herman Marquez's near no hitter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Adam, you want to start us off here? No hitters are cool. I mean, this is the big thing. And no other, like, baseball plays so many games, it's different than football, where obviously everybody's watching this or that. But when a no hitter starts, I don't know what inning you have to get to, fifth, sixth inning or something, <laughs> where all of a sudden you start to get the buzz. And that was what was happening. This is what I remember about that game was all of a sudden you're starting on the timeline and people are like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. We got it. Five innings in. We got it. You flip on the game. And that's what's fun about a no-hitter is every. it feels like playoffs. Every single yeah. pitch you're sweating on, you're just sitting there. Uh, you, you know, you could feel it. You could see it in sight. And this one got all the way down to the wire. It was, in my opinion, the most fun I had watching the Rockies this entire season. And <laughs> It always ends with like the little bloop, and then the game ends immediately after that. That's how that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, that literally was a ship inside of land, yeah. but it was still fun. Like you said, I, I really kind of discovered that a few years ago because like you with hockey, I'll sit down and watch a baseball game, but I'm just right. not like a yeah. baseball guy. But I discovered that a few years ago in the playoffs. I don't, I don't even remember what game I was watching, but when it gets to that point in the game where you're hanging on every pitch because it means right. so much, and you just ride that like anxiety high and then right. low – those you know moments like this, like you said, they, they get to that where you just you have to watch every pitch because in an instant stuff changes. Especially when you talk about the Colorado Rockies, they, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. don't have pitchers. It, it's all about hitting. <laughs> and how cool was it when Ubaldo had the, yeah. the, the, the actual all timer? And then we were mm-hmm. so close to it again. It was it, it was really cool. Um, yeah, uh, let's move on to the Colorado State game basketball game against San Diego State. Uh, I, I can break this one down a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, so Colorado State winds up winning seventy to sixty-six or sixty-seven. Sorry, but at one point they trailed uh, twenty-six points. Twenty-six Ooh. points, thirty-six to ten. Thirty-six <laughs> to ten. Wow. They jumped out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a real cold start. <laughs> From there, Colorado State goes on a twenty-three to four run. End of the game. Twelve seconds left. John Tanjay hits a three from the corner. Gets knocked down buries the free throw, winds up with a four-point play to go up 68-67 with 12 seconds left. Uh, any, any thoughts from you guys there? I didn't see this game, so yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. What a comeback. Sounds amazing. These games are always cool, though, when, mm-hmm. when you know we talk a lot about the fact that we're in Colorado and we don't get the, the West Coast bias and we don't get yep. the East Coast bias. So these games are always just like a little gratifying when it's like, oh, a little old C- CSU knocks off San Diego State in, you know, comeback fashion. The, these types of games are always fun just because Colorado can feel like an underdog in some of these. Like Colorado as a state can feel like an underdog in some of these yep. moments. Um, so, to, you know, it's always fun. All right. Uh, we can move along. Another college one. 
Uh, I'll, I'll hit this one too. So Colorado played Oregon State this season. Uh-huh. At the time, Colorado is two and six. Ooh. One win over uh, the uh, Northern Colorado Bears, I believe. Yeah, and uh, the, the, and other, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> That's right. the other one against Arizona. And they handed Arizona their 18th straight loss. So there's, there's really nothing, nothing <laughs> no exciting going on. A week before they'd played Oregon, lost 52-29. It was a pretty impressive performance from Colorado. Like mm-hmm. So that 23-point that deficit... They're only two closer games to that point all season. They lost by 22 to Arizona State. They played 10-7 <laughs> against AM before we knew that the offense really was bad enough to only put up seven points. Um, this Oregon State game, though, so at the time, Oregon State's kind of like the darling of the Pac-12 North. They're, they're somehow hot. They're one game behind Oregon, and I think they had Oregon in the last game of the season at home if they could stay within a game to that point to go to the Pac-12 title game. Nobody had Colorado winning. And what happened is Brendan Lewis, the, the freshman quarterback, played the best game of his career. Uh, three touchdowns, 17-23 to 23 passing, something like that. Uh, and, and it was just back and forth all the way through in a way that, like I said, we just hadn't seen. There were no close games to that point. And that means for the 19-year-old quarterback, he'd never played in a close game before. And to see him hit guys like, like Daniel Arias, who's on campus for the, the fifth season, I think, it, 43-yard bomb of a touchdown, had never had a 43-yard game in his career. <laughs> like wow. There's just stuff like that all the way through. A touchdown to the freshman, uh, Montana Lamonius Craig, with two and a half minutes left, after the touchdown to Brendan Rice was wiped out for a penalty. It, it goes back and forth. They, they give the ball back with two and a half minutes left, three-point lead. Oregon State misses the field goal. Colorado gets it back, pounds the rock up the middle three times, punts it right back after three timeouts. Big return, takes it back to the 50, and uh, that's where Oregon State has the ball with five seconds left. Four-second play, quick out. They get within a 60-yard field goal, knock it through, and uh, a 60-yarder sends wow. it to overtime from a college kicker. That's, that's insane. Nuts. It was incredible. <laughs> then you get Brendan Lewis again. He cuts around the edge, scores a touchdown to, to take the lead in overtime, give up an easy one on the, on the way back, and then Oregon State misses a field goal second overtime. Freshman kicker Cole Becker nails it through. Crowd rushes the field. It's the first moment for that for such a young team. Big big night for the kickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A 60-yarder. Uh, 37-34, All I think. Right. It's a medium score for a double overtime game. Yep. Yeah. Man, what's so depressing about the Avs, this game, and the yeah. Broncos is in the moment. <laughs> the same I know, I know. <laughs> so big. And yeah. you look back and it's like, oh, yeah, that was just a, a fluke. Yeah, cool day. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. All it downhill was a from here. Right, right, right. Those games are always fun, though, because I remember watching, you know, parts of that game, and you just got that feeling like, oh, yeah, see who's going to find a way to win this. You can mm-hmm. just feel that momentum shift, and when things just start going right, Oregon State misses a kick, and you're exactly. like, mm, maybe this maybe this is just the day. And like you said, it does end up just being the day. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, but those days are fun. Yep. Feel great. Absolutely. <laughs> We got one more game here. I feel like you saved the best for last. Is that what you were trying to I do did. here? <laughs> I think I did too. That was the plan. I, honestly, there's uh, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different answers here. I think people can go with depending on mm-hmm. the kind of their perspective. But game five for the Denver Nuggets last year. I have to set the stage. The Nuggets traded for Aaron Gordon right at the trade deadline. A player who came in and immediately made them true title contenders. Maybe even maybe not favorites as in the number one favorite, but they were a top three team. Yeah, yep. eight game winning streak immediately after he arrives. It looks like the Nuggets clearly have the best team they'd ever assembled and all of a sudden Jamal Murray their starting point guard goes down all of a sudden Will Barton goes down Monte Morse goes down PJ Dozier goes down they lose 
half of their rotation over the course of like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at a season and you're thinking, what's the point? Right, you know, right, this right. team is good. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, they, they have a clear ceiling to them. So you get into a first round series in the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers team, who, by the way, is a divisional rival, who, by the way, knocked you out of the playoffs yeah. in a game mm -hmm. seven a couple years ago. And so it's like, okay, now the season in many ways came down to, can you just get this moral victory? Everything right. <laughs> went wrong, but can you get this one moral victory before it all goes dark? And uh, to set the stage even more, Denver's up. The Nuggets are up two games to one. Game four is somehow a scheduling anomaly is 36 hours after the final yeah. buzzer of game three. <laughs> and to make matters worse, there is a giant protest inside the lobby of the Denver Nuggets' hotel hotel room. Mm -hmm. So the Nuggets end up losing game four and blow out fat. They look absolutely horrible. They look like a team that didn't get any sleep on 36 hours rest. Yeah. And they get blown out. So game five is basically the turning point game. It all yeah. comes down to this. 11 ties, 12 lead changes, some incredible performances both ways. Damian Lillard, yeah. star for the other, other side, goes for 55 points. But here's what's crazy. 55 points, 10 assists. You're going to look at that stat line and think, oh, my gosh, you know, player of the game. And in many ways he was. I mean, 55 mm -hmm. points is a lot. But what was incredible was the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, every single time he would come and make a 40-foot three, you would think, yeah. oh, how demoralizing. You right. just did mm -hmm. all this, and then a guy mm -hmm. makes an impossible shot. The Nuggets, about 30 times in a row, answered. Yeah, They responded. Yeah. And it was yeah. just one of those ones where it's like most times you could tip your hat and say it wasn't our night. That guy just made shots. But the Nuggets mm -hmm. didn't do that. They kept going into double overtime and got the win. And that win went on to lead. By the way, so the Nuggets starting a five foot nine rookie in Facundo Campazzo and a guy in Austin Rivers who they picked up 10 days before the playoffs began. They just added him to the roster. Those guys are starting and guarding Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. The Nuggets win game five. Of course, they go on to win game six, and they win the series. And now in the Jokic era, the Nuggets have never lost in the first round of the playoff series, including that huge upset mm -hmm. against the Hall of Famer in his prime. Wait, so a game that doesn't lead to bad things after? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good. That's well, pretty positives good. that came next? The, the well, thing that I remember about that game is just, like you said, it felt like the Blazers were going to win 30 different times in that right, game. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. man, it was such a valiant mm -hmm. effort by the Nuggets. Right. And then... They did it again, and then it, it comes down to like the tenth time, and you're like, they're yeah. not gonna do it again, are they? And then they do, they do and yeah. then you almost see 300 points scored. <laughs> but yeah. like that feeling of doom is a total 180 from how the game started. Right, Where like the, the Nuggets go out to like a 10 point lead. They were up by 22 actually. Largest they were up by 22, 22. Wow. and then after that, it's the 23 to six run where Dame's just making those dumb threes. Well, I was yeah. gonna say he's hitting like circus shots too, and right. that was the crazy part was every time. The Nuggets would answer back, and you're like, that's the one that puts him away. Mm -hmm. He comes back and does something ridiculous. And kind of like what I was just saying about CU and Oregon State, you almost kind of felt that way for Portland, where it's like, they're not going to waste this performance right. from him. But Jokic and the Nuggets just like kind of status quo. They never got rattled. They never got shook. Cool. Just took the ball back down and yeah. answered every time. It was That was a crazy game. And then how it ends... The, the Portland's down three with nine seconds left. McCollum steps on the line right. with the ball. Yeah. It's like you just know they're going to throw it to somebody yeah. and they're going to knock it in. We're going yeah. to triple overtime. You over glossed time. right over what was probably the best moment of the entire game, mm -hmm. which makes an appearance in another episode of, mm -hmm. of this very Goaties uh, series, and that is that 
you know, that was a game where Michael Porter played really well. Michael mm-hmm. Porter didn't ha- necessarily mm-hmm. have a great playoffs, but that one, I think he was 10 of 13, 26 points. Mm-hmm. But the biggest shot in the game winner, what ended up being the game winner, came off of if you could draw up what happens with the gift, the guys available, it would be a Jokic perfect pass yep. and a Michael Porter three-pointer right in front of yeah. the Blazers bench, which is exactly what happened. Jokic throws this pass that bent space and time for about <laughs> two seconds as it reached <laughs> around all these defenders. In fact, I think it's Robert Covington, a great defender, mm-hmm. very long. It somehow jumps to the height of as high as he could jump, puts his hand up, and Jokic threw the ball about one inch above that lane. Yeah. Like he knew exactly what his potential reach was, <laughs> threw it perfectly around that, and Michael Porter hits the the game winner, and it was it was a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Nuggets won that one to me made last year a success, given the the the, the acts of God that were thrown at them. <laughs> Absolutely. So now though, now's the tough part. So so we've got we have to choose four of these to put in a poll on Twitter. So we've got to cut two of them out, make them honorable mention. I don't even know where to start. So first of all, I'll say this. The Nuggets game, that's into me. Yeah. Does anybody have strong feelings about what else should be absolutely in? Cowboys game, or Broncos game, I should say. <laughs> should. Should. Oh Broncos game and, and Avs game to me. I mean, okay. that's the, the, the yeah, stakes. I think so. so that brings us down to the Herman no-hitter and then the uh, comeback for CSU, the double overtime CU game. Not, not a no hitter. Does not a no hitter mean we take it out? That's that's how I'm leaning. Yeah, an, an almost no hitter. Yeah, it almost makes mm-hmm. the cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, the CSU game sound. I mean, the 26 point comeback is is pretty special. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think given we have a lot of uh, moral victory games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we cut out the CU moral, moral victory one. Fair enough. Yeah, so those are our like four it. honorable mentions. To the other two, and uh, that's it. We'll see what you guys vote. Oh, should say. We will be going live here for the Goaties at 7 o'clock. Get here at 6. We're going to be doing fun stuff before that. Saturday. Saturday. BNBR bar. Saturday. We'll see you there. All right, before we move on to Athlete of the Year, I got to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, you can download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team if your team wins, my apologies, uh, we're counting down to Super Bowl 56 with that promo. So don't forget to use the code DNVR. If you're not a new customer, you can experience the conference championship with same game parlays, combining multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is, of course, safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So like I said, download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code dnvr for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 and that's not all light shade dispensary colorado's premier dispensary is offering dnvr 25% off each purchase when you use the code DNVR. Shop online and visit a Lightshade location near you. They have 10, soon to be 11, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. They offer something for everyone, from the casual consumer who might just like to dabble in some joints, some gummies, some CBD products, to the connoisseur who knows everything there is to know.
to know. Lightshade has a great selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and so much more. Check out our favorite brands like Escape Artist, Ripple, and Wana. Podcast listeners get 25% off, like I said, using that promo code DNVR. So definitely check them out. All right, next up, we are moving on to Athlete of the Year. There are a lot of amazing nominees for this one. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the big one, Athlete of the Year, our second to last uh, award we're handing out here for the Goaties, and we have some good ones, including a couple historical athletes in Denver sports. 2021, a year that happened, but also a year that had some pretty big outlier performances for individuals in Denver sports. To talk about it, I got Justin Michael. Looking forward to talking about Trey McBride, an incredible season by him, and well, I mean, we're all going to fall second fiddle to Jokic, but it's going to be a fun debate. Let's go. <laughs> a debate. Here we go. Over here, I've also got Nathan Rudo, Rudolph, a.k.a. Rudo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, all I'm saying is there's only one player with a 24-minute video up on the DNVR yep. YouTube okay. channel. Okay. All right. It's not Jokic. Uh, all right. All right. It takes a lot to make your case then, I guess. It takes too many minutes. Uh, <laughs> over here, I've got Ryan Konigsberg, a.k.a. RK. I would like to just be your hype man on all points you make for yoga. I'm just going to say, yep, I agree with that. This one, look, we're going to we're going to treat this one fairly. We're going to let the, the you know, everybody's votes come in. We're going to count all votes. Um, but this one does have a heavy hitter in Jokic, but there's some people making a really strong case. And we're going to actually start. RK is going to get to make the case for two different people today. And we're going to start with McKinley Wright at a CU. Had himself a pretty nice season. Yeah. And, you know, this is like a lifetime achievement thing for him. He's one yeah. of the best buffs uh, ever in, in on the basketball court. Obviously, this last year, he's a first-team All-Pac-12, first-team All-Pac-12 defense. He leads them to the Pac-12 championship game. Obviously, they lose in a heartbreaker there. And then they go to the tournament and win a game, uh, something that's not – uh, something that happens very often for right. Colorado. So it was great play, incredible leadership, such awesome toughness. One of those guys that will be talked about by CU fans and basketball fans in Colorado forever. Uh, it was a special season to cap off a special career. Do you know how many wins CU basketball has in their history off the top of your head? No. Like, <laughs> I'm just curious because like, we, we talk about rare achievements. You know, Winning a, a tournament game at CU is a, is a big Oh, how many game. tournament wins they yeah, have? Yeah. Well, it depends on how far you go back because like they, ha they were great in like the 50s. Okay. Um, but right. you know, over the last you – know, in the Tad Boyle era – that was only the second wow. tournament win. And the Tad Boyle era is the golden era of Colorado basketball outside of that, you know, way back when they were wearing <laughs> short shorts and fetching the ball out of the basket. We have another college athlete, though, that I think gets even more consideration, maybe equal consideration, maybe more consideration. And, of course, that is uh, DNVR sports athlete uh, Trey McBride. Yeah, I mean, going up against Jokic is going to be tough. But if there's anybody that I think has an argument, at least in terms of significantly rare seasons and how dominant they were individually compared to everyone else at their position. Trey McBride's definitely in that argument. He's the fifth tight end ever to record a thousand yard season in the FPS. Wow. Led the country in, you know, yards, yards per game, led the country in receptions for a tight end, was top 20 overall as a tight end. And, and that 
what's really so impressive about it is he was that dominant statistically as a receiver, but he's not one of these, you know, 2022 tight ends that doesn't actually block. get in mm. line and block. He bl- was in line more than any tight end in the country. So he's a true, you know, do it all guy for CSU. And obviously the, the Mackey award winner, the second individual award winner in CSU program history, first ever unanimous all American. So one of truly one of the best players in the country this year. And, it's a shame that he didn't get to play on a winner because I think if CSU's even a 500 team, like the the amount of talk he's going to be getting nationally is going to be insane. Even as is, he's projected to be a first round pick. So an incredible career, an incredible season. <clears throat> he he actually has like, for lack of a better term, the Jokic effect where when you watch him play, you wonder like it, the same thing you wonder for Jokic, which is like why doesn't t- why doesn't he have the ball yeah, right, <laughs> on every right. single possession, every no matter moment. what? Yeah. Why do the we same need things- diversity of play calls? We just call yeah. the Trey McBride play. I mean, for <laughs> real. And there were stretches in CSU games where they did. They were just like McBride, 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 yeah. McBride, and that was like some of the best offense they played. Um, he was extremely dominant there for them. One of the things I, that is difficult about handing out athlete of the year is some sports one athlete has a bigger impact, and basketball is one of those. Like. One basketball player makes a big impact. So we maybe have a, a – the it, it might make us to say this guy is more impactful. Football is the one that I think each individual player, other than a quarterback, yep. has the least impact on a player. And, and that's maybe where you're getting at with Trey McBride is it's hard for him to have the same impact on his team as, as Nikola Jokic did. But exactly. that doesn't mean he wasn't as dominant at his position in college football. Yeah, I mean, there just there aren't any other Trey McBrides in college football right now. And – there's not going to be, you know, very many. He had the second highest grade from PFF ever, only Kyle Pitts, who was drafted, you know, top five overall as a tight end, and that's unprecedented. So that's the that's the conversation that Trey McBride is in when it comes to tight ends, one of the best ever. Um, you know, not necessarily going to be able to lead CSU to a bowl game, but when you look at what he did, three-time right. all-conference selection, and just what he means, you know, like one of the things that's so special about Jokic is – He's a Nuggets guy. He was drafted here. He was developed here. He's talked about wanting to play his whole career here. Trey McBride was that guy for CSU. You know, he could have gone pro last year. He didn't. He could have transferred to the SEC. A lot of schools came sniffing before mm. last year. He had offers from multiple major programs. He stayed. You know, there are some arguments maybe he should have left, but he ended up winning the Mackey Award, so I think it, it worked out okay. <laughs> all things considered i'm putting the panel on the spot here but where do you think he ranks in all-time college tight ends in in colorado sports history i mean right at the top if not i mean i don't know how it can't be one right (laughs) you had daniel graham at cu who also Mm, won the mackey award um he wasn't quite as prolific because it you know it was a different it's a different era too yeah exactly really good and he was awesome obviously he went to the patriots won a super bowl if not two there um, so he, you know, he would probably be the other great candidate for this. Yeah, it's those two, and then Joel Dreesen. You know, those are kind of the three that are in the conversation. Um, I think Trey is probably the most dynamic of any of them when it comes to pass catching. But some of that is also predicated on the era you play in. You right. know, it's like you know, Daniel if Shannon Graham, Sharp right. was playing now, he'd be like one of the most impressive right, players in right, football. Right. But Daniel Graham was part of that CU team that won the Big Twelve championship in two thousand one. Gets a bump for that. Also was dominant in the running game on a team that was dominant in the running game. So it, it, comparatively, those guys are right there. They both have Mackey awards on their resume. Trey McBride, a bit of a baby face, but not nearly as much as one Kale McCarr. <laughs> <laughs> the rosy cheeks by themselves go a long yeah, way in this board, I think. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, Kale McCarr is doing things that haven't been done since Bobby Orr. And if you know your hockey, you know that even mentioning that guy's name is like, 
you have to be one of the best players at the position ever. In the modern era, since they've tracked advanced statistics, Kale McCarr is the best possession defenseman ever. Wow. Ever. What does that mean, possession defense? Like, like what, what, what is that quantifying So, in layman's terms? Essentially, your team is getting more shots on goal than the other team is the okay. general loose metric for possession. Okay. And no one in the NHL has a better plus-minus ratio of shots while they're on the ice than Kale McCarr. Okay. He's... The best defense is a good offense, right? And, okay. and that's Kale McCarr. It, imagine you are faster than everyone you know. You're more <laughs> agile than everyone you know. You have better vision than everyone you know. And you're more flexible than everyone you know. You now understand a fraction of Kale McCarr's power, okay. basically. Uh, the, the kid is just unnaturally good. We've, we've brought it to a point now where... There is no longer comparable for Kale McCarr. He is he is Kale McCarr, and everyone gets compared to him now, and it's it's ridiculous. You look at the accolades he's he's won over the years, and he finally got to his first All Star game. Unfortunately, was probably going to hurt him in this debate as he came second place in the mm, Norris. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but so he didn't win the award. Did is what not, you're saying? Did Maybe not win have, that one. Shouldn't have come second. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, there's a pretty good argument he could have come first, okay. but he didn't win it. Uh, but Kale McCarr is just, he's on such a different level. You're talking about a player that, looking at him in the year of 2021, yes, it's unbelievable. Is he at his peak yet? No. He's probably the best defenseman in multiple generations. Wow. Is he to the level of Jokic yet? Uh... <laughs> Tough case to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask this. What made last year so special for him? Or is it just the, like, it was the next step in his linear progression upwards that's still going on today? Yeah. So I think 2021, look, from the second he arrived in Colorado, everyone in Colorado knew that this kid was for real. 2021 saw Kale McCarr go from a Colorado talent to a, oh, this is maybe one of the best five players in the league nationally. Everyone now understands you should be afraid of Kale McCarr right. every single night. He regularly puts dudes on highlight reels every single game. It's it's the step up of consistency that we've seen. Okay. Everyone knew he had it in him. No one was sure he was going to do it every night. Was there any other contenders on the Avs for Athlete of the Year? I mean, I'm you know when you talk about the Avs, usually we talk about Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I look. You could definitely make a case for Nathan McKinnon for this award in 2021. I don't think there's any doubt about that. McKinnon, arguably a top three player in the entire NHL himself. So would not bat a single eye if you wanted yeah. to give him that award. But Kale McCarr is different. Okay, <laughs> He's just different from a player like McKinnon. This is a guy that you look at not even three full years into his career, and you're like, yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Wow. So Already feels ever, like a sure yep. thing. Has there ever been a season by an Avs defenseman that's, you know, on par with what Cam McCarr was able to do? Uh, not rate stat-wise, no. No one, no one's even in the ballpark when wow. it comes to rate stat-wise. The one real statistical negative you can take against him is he misses 10 to 15 games every year so far. Okay. He's got to stay healthy. And another... It's these little, little, little digs. Why I know he's going to come up short yeah. in this debate, but uh, he really deserves to be in the conversation. 
Another guy that might come up just a little bit short. We're going over to the Denver Broncos now. Pat Sertan had himself a heck of a year. I don't know if he's going to belong on this uh, conversation too much, but let's at least give a couple, you know, give him a shout out here. Yeah, and this is not an indictment on Pat Sertan at all, but I think this, the fact that he's the nominee is an indictment of the Denver Broncos. Okay. Again, yeah, okay. not against him. Right. But you're a rookie. Probably shouldn't be your nominee for athlete of the year unless they're doing something really, really special. And especially not at a non-quarterback position. Um, and, and I guess that was, you know, that's the knock on Pat Sertan is he's not a quarterback. He came in, he was he was great uh, from start to finish, starting all the way in the preseason, had a pick six that kind of set the tone for who he was. This kind of reminds me of Kale McCarr's rookie season where it's like, you can see it all there. Yep. He's really special, um, but he's definitely too early to win this award. He leads all rookies in interceptions. Should have been a pro bowler just in the way that you could maybe make the case that Kale should have right. won the Norris. Uh, but in terms of accolades, he's not going to come close in this. I think it's it's a nice feather in his cap that he's nominated here to set the stage for what could be to come. Um, I can't give those big sweeping, you know, um, generational words that you're giving <laughs> about Kale McCarr quite yet. But I will say this and, and put it this way. When he was drafted, people started making the Champ Bailey comps right away. And I was mm. like, slow down. Everyone slow <laughs> down. Breaks. That's a little too much. Now I can't really tell people to slow down. Like, there's nothing I can point to to say, like, I, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far yet. Personally, I still think it's unfair to compare anyone to a first ballot Hall of Famer in their sure. rookie season. <laughs> but it's hard for me to point to reasons why you shouldn't be that excited about At least that hopeful too. that he can right. reach those heights, does, which is exciting. Does he get a little bit of a bump for being the guy who it's his first year in the league, making that jump and making it look so seamless? Absolutely. And that's what everyone said about him coming out in, in – that's not that doesn't always work that way even when people say oh he's he's the most nfl ready guy like no one can be nfl ready uh even playing at alabama playing at the highest of highs you can in college it's a totally different level and there was a lot of you know there were concerns about him it, he wasn't considered a perfect prospect to come in and literally from the first day of practice the coach is saying he's ready to go yeah. like right now uh is a huge huge feather in his cap when we talk about athlete of the year I mean, we automatically think best athlete who had the best season. I think part of this, though, I mean, there is really is purposely vague what the criteria here is. And I think part of the criteria is obviously the greatest, you know, who had the greatest season or the greatest calendar year. But I think also it's part of like when we look back and we say 2021, what does that remind you of? And to me, it's a no brainer. It's the year that the Denver Nuggets got their first ever MVP in Nikola Jokic, who just three years ago, people were trying to argue, is this guy ever going to be a top 10 player? Like. He was he was this guy who all the advanced numbers liked or really projected well, but can he actually be the best player in his league or this or that? A lot of people were doubtful. You fast forward to last year, and it was undeniable. He was nearly not just the MVP of the of the NBA. He was a near unanimous MVP. He won, I think, ninety percent of the votes or something like that for the first uh, for first votes. And if you look at it statistically. You know, one of the metrics you use, the catch-all metrics to look at a player's value, like a catch-all metrics that say how good a player was, Jokic had the, what at the time was the 10th best player efficiency rating, a catch-all metric, the 10th best one in NBA history. The guys ahead of him, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Wilt Chamberlain, Giannis and Steph Curry, those are the only names that come up in the history of the NBA better than what he put up last, last season. And in just the raw numbers, 26 points per game, Previously, he was at 20 points per game, so he raised that up. You know, you always think about Jokic. He's a passer. Well, last year, he became one of the best scorers in the NBA, and that, of course, has continued into this season. He still got the 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He shot a ridiculous 56, 57% from the field. 
super efficient, the MVP, and just elevated himself to where now, if you fast forward to 2022, you've got people like George Carl, one of the winningest coaches of all time, who just this very week says he thinks Jokic might end up being a top 10 player ever. You don't make that comment last year. But once you win an MVP as convincingly as he did, all of a sudden the bar's been elevated to where I believe, and I think more and more people are starting to believe, that we are watching a player in his prime who will one day be on the Mount Rushmore of Denver sports. And I think, you know, the clo- the, the more every game he plays, it comes harder and harder to even say he shouldn't be on there right. already. Um, <laughs> yeah, like right. he's an MVP. You know, we, there's only so many MVPs in Denver, um, and he's so dominant in so many ways. To me, that season from him last year is as dominant of a season I've seen from anyone since Peyton Manning in 2013. Right. You know, when it was just like you he goes on the floor and you know something special is going to happen just about every night. He has only gotten better, and I think that's what, what you know – if we rewind back to before last season, he wasn't coming in as some MVP favorite or anything. Right, correct. He got better, yeah. inst- and we saw it like instantly from like the first 10 games right. of the season. I yep. think it was like 10 games in when you were we like... We all made a bet on him to win the MVP, <laughs> yeah. and the odds were like 16 to 1 or something. Right, and he just kept getting better, and then Jamal goes down, and he takes it to another level. Right. Then this offseason, he takes it to another level, and even, you know, we're talking about 2021, there is parts of this current season that exists in 2021 where he's even at another right. level That's above what he played as an MVP it's he's undeniable to me in this category um, and it's going to be tough for anyone I think to knock him off from winning it next year too true athletes do things that seemingly defy logic yeah and every night you watch Jokic you know he's going to make a play that you're going to just look at it and go I don't understand how this is humanly possible it's and there's not like a better thing I can say about a professional athlete than they just blow your mind. What what Jokic does blows minds. Greg Popovich, he, he called him interesting. He's just so interesting. And I love that because it's like you, people want to quantify this or that, but you watch him, and to your point, he's doing it differently than everyone yep. else. He's playing like the same sport in a different manner. And I think the one thing that makes this tough when you look at Jokic's season, last year Jamal Murray gets hurt. You know, Will Barton gets hurt. P.J. Dozier gets hurt. Monte Morris gets hurt. They go into a playoffs, and they're so shorthanded. But one of the crazy things, playoff success, the Denver Nuggets beat an in-his-prime Damian Lillard with a guy on a 10-day and a five foot nine rookie guarding him. Those were the guys that were tasked with, with shutting this guy down. And yet Jokic, when push came to shove, kept finding ways to win the game. Damian Lillard had 55 points in one of these games in a double overtime. Still wasn't enough. Jokic kept coming back and kept scoring. Or, or assisting uh, in double overtime. So to me, he came up clutch. He was great all year. And then as you mentioned, RK, 2021 spans into this season, which, oh, by the way, he elevated his numbers. Yeah. He is currently sitting, guys. This is crazy. Last year I said t- the 10th best PER of all time. He's currently sitting number one with a bullet, almost a, a, a what would that be, 3% higher than number two all time. So he is having, once again, an even better season. I just think Jokic, 2021, It'll be the first thing we think of when we look back at this year. I think it has to be, right? I mean, we just had a crazy weekend of football, right, where you had these quarterbacks where you're just never out of it if you right. have, you know, a yep. Patrick Mahomes, a Josh yep. Allen, and if you have a Nikola Jokic, you know, you're never out of it. And he, he's just elevated this franchise to a level that really, I mean, hasn't ever happened, I guess, not consistently. I know the Nuggets have had high points in the 80s and a little bit in the 90s there. But other than that, you know, it's just kind of been a – middle of the pack franchise and here comes Nikola Jokic suddenly best basketball player in the world and Denver Colorado you know has completely made this a basketball city in some regards you know it's 
Broncos, 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 365. Right now, there's a legitimate argument that this is as much of a Nuggets and Avs town as anything else. And that's a really good point that we hadn't brought up is like you mentioned what, what you'll remember. There's also like cultural significance that right. um, plays a role here. And it's always going to be a Broncos town at, at its root. At its core, yeah. But I think what we're seeing is the, the newer, younger side of Denver is slanting towards one of these two other teams. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Well, this panel seems pretty confident that Nikola Jokic will be named the 2021 Athlete of the Year, but we're going to have to wait until this Saturday to find out what the voters say and what everybody else in the DNVR company say. You're not going to want to miss us Saturday night at the DNVR bar. Festivities begin at 6 p.m. The live show begins at 7 p.m. where We will be revealing the winners of all of these great awards as well as having a great time, and we hope we see you out there. It's going to be a really fun live podcast event that you can be a part of on the panel right here next to all of us. Hope to see you guys then. Ha, 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 ha.